Hello, everyone. It's Jerry at the Fledge, and welcome to season two, episode 31. And today on the show, we've got our good friend Erica, and we will be talking about uh, homelessness, unhoused, and poverty, and mental health, probably. And I'm going to lead right into you. Please introduce yourself and tell us about your organization. Okay. I'm Erica, and I am the founder and president of Jubilee. And Jubilee is a network that connects disadvantaged community members in the greater Lansing area with effective support and transformative opportunities. And the way we plan to do that, because we're a new organization, so we're still in the building phase. And the way we plan to do that is by obtaining properties. And then the properties will be rented out to people that qualify for a federal rent subsidy. And at this point, the vast majority of people that qualify for a federal rent subsidy in Lansing are... Um, were recently homeless. So that's kind of the population that we're targeting is to uh, get the people that were recently homeless or in a shelter and get them housed. And then our organization will come around them with support to make sure they keep their housing. And luckily we'll be in charge of that as a property owner and also connect them to uh, a lot of resources and opportunities in the community where they can change their lives if they want to, and perhaps start a business or um, develop their art or whatever it is that they want to do, we hope to be able to connect them with the resource to do that. What they were born to do. Yes, All absolutely. Right. So can we talk, let's talk about words for a little bit. Uh, the difference between homeless and unhoused. Do you, do you go back and forth with those words? Do you um, have a favorite? I... I guess I haven't looked that deeply into it. I probably should. I just usually use homeless. I was um, recently, uh, about four years ago, homeless. And that, I feel like, did define pretty well the experience that I had. So yeah. I typically use that word. I know there are people that prefer unhoused. Um, there are people in the community that don't want to live uh, in a typical house. So, um, yeah, I guess I don't. I'm, I'm probably not the one that has the best definitive answer on which words to use, but I usually use homeless. However, I do see the value in unhoused. I think it, I think you just said something that's kind of an epiphany for me. It was really up to your experience. Mm -hmm. If you felt like you didn't have a home, like you weren't comfortable anywhere, yeah. then homeless might be better than unhoused. But if you're the happiest homeless person, right. and this is going to be ironic, <laughs> you might say, well, Lansing's my home and the back 40s, my home. Mm -hmm. And that's where the people I love are at or whatever. But I really like relating it to the personal experience itself. Mm -hmm. What about, uh, tell us about homelessness or unhoused in Lansing. Do you know how many people are homeless? That is a really hard uh, piece of data to get a hold of because yeah. you would have to like, like the census goes to homes. It doesn't go to, you know, um, encampments or whatever. So I don't know. I don't think it's possible to know for sure. Mm -hmm. And it just fluctuates so much. Um, and let's define it a little bit too, because there's, there's different severities, right? Mm -hmm. There's you're in the street, you're in the camp, you're not going to a shelter all the way to, you're living on your friend's couch, mm -hmm. right? What, 
tell us about the different levels, if you don't mind. Well, I think that legally they define homelessness as like where you actually don't have a place to sleep tonight. I don't know what good that is because, you know, couches work for a couple days. Right. <laughs> That's not a, a good long-term solution to any scenario. So. It's very unstable, it right? Is, yeah. One little argument about the dishes and you're back yep. out on the street. Exactly. Um, what is Lance? Do you think Lansing is a typical city for homelessness? Or do you <laughs> think that there's more here? There's less here? There's average? Well, what do you what do you think? I haven't been out of Lansing in so long and I definitely haven't experienced that landscape in any other city. So it's going to be really hard for me to say. I do know that as far as like if people want free food, there's lots of resources for that in Lansing. Um, it's fairly easy to get into a shelter in Lansing, although some of them do have I've heard about some adjustments lately, but some of them have rules that aren't friendly to everyone. Uh, I think that's something that we could work on. So if you're actually homeless, I wouldn't say there's an abundance of resources, but there are some and they're fairly easy to access. The problem that I see is that, um, well, this was a, a problem that I experienced personally, is that we don't have much resources beyond that to get people stabilized. There are some, and sometimes they work for some people, but a lot of times they don't. So a lot of times you see people going into the shelters and leaving and then coming back when I just see that. I feel like being homeless should be like a huge red flag to the community that this person, as long as they're receptive to it, needs like all sorts of love and support at this point in their life and that that should be the ticket to get it. Okay, you're spending some words or some time on as long as they're receptive to it and really making sure that the person wants that mm -hmm. and people are gonna think, of course they want a home, of course they want a house, but I don't think that's always, it's we not, don't understand it. It's no. more complicated, right? I personally don't understand it because I definitely want a home and a house, but there are people that are content not having a home or a house. I think a lot of that time, a lot of the time it's because uh, they've been burned by um, the agencies and organizations that were supposed to help them, but somehow broke the trust. And I've had a lot of personal experiences along those lines as well but there are some people that just generally want to be a nomad or whatever you want to call it and don't want to be restricted to that lifestyle i think that should be okay too i think it it causes a lot of pressure in some right so mm -hmm. they get in a house it's very stressful they're going to lose at any time it's hard to have the expectation yep. of the future do i want to stick with shelters and then i want to move on to that transition a little bit uh are shelters for everybody no, they make it really like even when I was in the shelter, it was like the worst time of my life. And I was uh, experiencing some behavior issues. And, you know, some people would be some people would some people would not be surprised to hear this about me. But I was like almost kicked out. So and if I was almost kicked out, like I know there are people that get kicked out, like you have to come back sober. And that's just not a reality for everyone. So. Right. And yeah. there's trauma related yes. to. I mean, there can be theft, there can be yep. abuse, there can be all kinds of bad things yes, happening, right? And uh, so if you don't mind, how, how did you go from, what was the thing that was effective for you when you were homeless and now you're housed or you have a home? I do have a home. I just, um, even through um, the year before I became homeless, there was like, 
I tried to find help from different places and there just wasn't effective support available, even though I felt like I was doing the right things to find it. And so I became homeless and um, at the shelter, I was really fortunate to find the first person along that part of the journey that actually was effectively supportive with integrity and followed through. And she helped me get um, signed up for the housing commission wait list. And, you know, at that point, like after the trauma that I'd been through, I didn't have the executive function to be able to make that happen for myself. So I really needed someone to like walk me through the steps and say, this is what you need to do today, Erica, you need to go get your daughter's birth certificate. So, and then now today we need to submit this stuff to the um, housing commission. And um, I was really blessed that my, I don't know how I got through the housing commission wait list so fast, but it was like a couple months and I had a place. So. Yeah, a couple months. Yes. So we're talking about unstable situations, mm -hmm. people, how many of your documents did you have? Did you yeah. still have your birth certificate, <laughs> social security no, card, I think, driver's I think license? I was fortunate to have my driver's license. So that's about it. Actually. Yeah. And so I think about, you know, people and, and you were, do you know what caused your homelessness or do you want to talk about we that? We can or? talk about it. It was like a whole, I don't want to take up too much time talking about the, um, what actually made me homeless is when the police came to serve me a subpoena and instead of, you know, just doing that and then going on their way, they came in my house because the door was cracked open and um, cleared the whole house and with their guns drawn and stuff. I wasn't home at the time. And if you walk into my house, it looked like a normal house for the most part and uh, might have been a little messy or whatever, but there was a hole in the um mudroom in the back. And I think that might've been what tipped them off to maybe they should get code compliance over there. They asked me to uh, return to the scene. And I was like already, I was already going through some really hard things at that point in my life. And I was like, yeah, actually that's not what I'm doing today. So um, they did have code compliance come and do the most thorough inspection ever. I'm not sure why they can't get code compliance to do inspections like that on the slumlords, but nope, they chose me. And after that, it was about $35,000 worth of repairs that I had to do. And it was my house. So I was responsible for those. And I, so I never slept there again. So you owned your own home. I did. And now, right now you're, are you in, what type of housing are you in now? I am in subsidized housing through the housing commission. So I want to, you were kind of, I wouldn't say lucky, but. You, you said you had an advocate or a person mm -hmm. who was working with you that kind of laid it all out for you. Yes. And if we, if we take, uh, let's say a, a mental health issue like anxiety and depression or even schizophrenia, and you lay that on top of it for somebody and just saying you have to get a social security card makes them shut down for three days yep. or something. Right. I've, this, yeah. I've experienced oh. that. Like that's a very familiar I'm still working through that sort of trauma and like a lot of stuff with starting the nonprofit. It's like more paperwork. No, I need a nap. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope I'm not triggering anything no, right now. No, and thank good. you for telling us your story like that. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, a lot of people come up to the porch, they're homeless or unhoused. Uh, they need a lot of services and we start working with them. We might start, you know, trying to get their social security card and, then because of all the other chaos around them, they don't show up again for 
four weeks. And so we start all over again and it's constantly starting over again. And I think people want to blame that person, but there are so many factors here. Uh, what is Jubilee helping with that? You know, the, they're homeless now we've got to get them in and here's this huge bureaucracy that they're up against. Yeah. We, we have helped some individuals with that where it's not a solid system or there, you know, there wouldn't be a need for Jubilee if there were. So we're working towards that. We're just like kind of in the building phase right now of our organization, building up support. So not as much as I would like, but that is what we're, one of the things that we're working towards. Okay. And then one more thing, and then we're going to talk about how you're doing that work. Mm -hmm. uh, once you get housed, it is, there's a, there's a, a probability in the beginning that you're going to lose that mm -hmm. fairly quickly, three to six months, maybe even sooner. What, tell us about that and how maybe you overcame that. Uh, well, if you don't pay your rent, I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios that could impact that happening, but, um, rent, paying the rent is important. So even if it's subsidized, it's still some, um, if it's not subsidized, then you have a huge rent bill. That's a problem. And it's always a lot of the paperwork to keep the subsidized housing. Like personally right now, what, uh, this isn't in the three to six month time frame, but I'm actually really worried that the housing commission is going to kick me out or uh, something like that because I haven't received my annual paperwork, which I usually receive in November or December. And I've asked them about that and not gotten a response. So, um, but that's a, a big booklet of paperwork. It's, it's a, it's the paperwork. And there's also rules. And um, uh, one of our clients that we've worked with through Jubilee recently, like there's a gunshot in her house. So she's um, being evicted actually because of that. And she says that, you know, it came from the neighbors or whatever happened. But either way, like, so whatever happened, now these people are out on the street again. Like, how does that make our community better? Yeah. So I don't know. Why, why do you think they do this? Do you, I mean, that's, that's a, probably the dumbest question I've ever asked why wow. people do anything. It can't be any dumber than the answer. Like, I'm hoping that it's just like, there's, I think is a combination of reasons uh, at the, at the top of the list is the people with the power and the resources don't really care. And number two on the list is they don't follow through with anything. They never get like, we have a ending homelessness. Um, I forget exactly what they call it, but campaign, like there is something going on in the state of Michigan where the agencies are supposed to be working together. And I went to one of their meetings and it looks like they're talking about good things, but why is it still such a problem? I, I think that there just needs to be more coordination, focus, follow through, and um, just really like what's what's going to work. It, putting the blame on the person that's homeless, that's experienced trauma and confusion for their whole life, it doesn't work because clearly they're never, not likely anyways, to just be like, oh, I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps today. And um then go fix all their problems. Like it's very likely that they like somewhere inside of them. Yes. Humans have the capability of that, but in our system, it's just like so much. I forgot what you asked. No, well, sorry. no, that's good. It was a perfect answer. Um, when, when you start talking about basic needs and people being deprived of those basic needs, their brain starts to change, right? Mm -hmm. The difference between, you know, I'm thinking about, 
my business and my future or my job or my kids' college. I can't think about that if I'm thinking right. about where we're going to stay tonight, how much food do we have, am I going to be able to feed my kids? Uh, so that opportunity squeezes in on people. And I just, uh, I don't know. I think people don't understand that. They, the pull yourself up by the bootstraps yeah. is such a <clears throat> stupid, ignorant, uninformed statement. Really Any of is. you out there using that. <laughs> it really is. And it's like, until I, even before I went through some of the things that I went through, I would have never, I mean, I would have wanted to be helpful. I let people stay with me and that sort of thing. But going through it myself was just like such an eye-opening experience. And I guess that's why I will dedicate the rest of my life to trying to do something about it. So so let's talk about that something. Tell us about your first Sunday of the month. On the first Sunday of the month, Jubilee is hosting uh, monthly task force meetings for our operation and homelessness. We believe that we can end, eradicate, or at least uh, significantly decrease homelessness in our community. So we're bringing the community together to have important conversations and share stories about homelessness and poverty. And um, just let everyone know what Jubilee is trying to do. Like, I mean, I, I can set it up and I can do what I can do, but it's actually gonna take like an army of volunteers to make it happen. So we just invite people to come and tell them what we're doing and uh, what opportunities there are for them to get involved and, um, hopefully connect with some people that will help us out. And we'll share some links later on how you can mm -hmm. look up that and attend. Everyone's welcome, right? Everyone's welcome. Yes. Uh, online option or in person? Or? There uh, is not an online option yet. We are looking to do that in the future. Okay. But all yeah. right. So I want to go, well, first of all, I'm a true believer that the people that are in the struggle, that are in the problem, day in and day out or have experienced it and learned, you know, what is working and isn't working are the ones that need to have a voice there. So mm -hmm. I think you're a great leader for this effort with your personal experiences. And who do you need at that meeting? Like if you could push a magic button right now, it'd be everybody probably. But let's say we have a magic button that's going to bring you five types of people. What? Five of them? I don't wow, know. that's exciting. <laughs> like know. a lot, that's a lot of people. Uh, we are definitely looking for people that um, have, so to be a mentor, it's important that they have personal stability in their personal lives and their personal relationships. The last thing we want to do is bring chaos to the people that we're serving. So um, we're looking for definitely uh, people with person, stable personal lives that are able to be mentors to our, we're going to call them jubilants, the people that um, live in our homes. And we're also collaborating with Loaves and Fishes, working towards serving some of the people just to, that they, Loaves and Fishes is the only shelter in Lansing that I know of that actually follows up with people mm -hmm. in a halfway effective manner after they leave the shelter. So um, we're going to work with them and uh, kind of start to build our programming yeah. um, with people that have left their shelter, but are in their homes that are interested in connecting with us. If that makes sense. It, it does make sense. I mean, that's such a fragile period, right? Yes. That 
you start getting some good habits or mentoring or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always about connection. How yes. many people are around you? How many people are there to help you? What are those people doing? Mm -hmm. And, you know, getting that fragility out of the way in the beginning increases the probability. And I, you understand that. And mm -hmm. I love that you're working with loaves and fishes because they do understand mm -hmm. it. Um, I think Advent House might do pretty good at that as well, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, but I do love it's Brent, right? Yes. Yes. Brent. I love Brent. So yes. got to get Brent back on the show again. That can happen. So, uh, what happens at these meetings? Uh, we start out just by briefly sharing the, the mission and goals and vision of Jubilee. I haven't, I'm not going to go into like my long story anymore because people, the, the goal is to have people come back and I don't want to bore them. So, <laughs> Uh, we share other people's stories if they're open to it. We are looking for people to share their stories of homelessness and um, poverty. I think stories are important. And then um, we look at either an article or a video together and then have a conversation about it. The last At the last meeting, we looked at an article about boundaries and then just kind of had a, a conversation about boundaries and how they're important and how they're helpful. And um, the goal of that being like, well, for boundaries, it's going to be important to respect the boundaries of the people that we're serving, as well as understand our own boundaries and uh, walk into there so that we can have healthy relationships. Are, are you going to do Therapy Thursdays for all your jubilance? I, I am, actually. It sounds... uh, might be a little different format, but I'm very glad I have the experience of Therapy Thursday, because I pulled from that quite a bit, actually. I just thought of that. You know, if mm -hmm. you had uh, people that you had helped get housed or anybody, actually, mm -hmm. that is in that kind of fragile period or longer, Therapy Thursday. Tell yes. us what it was real quick, because you did a great <laughs> freaking job Thank at that. You. Therapy Thursday was, uh, during, well, it started during the pandemic. And you were doing the 9 a.m. scrum meetings. And then a couple of the days kind of started to take a theme. And, and Thursday was Therapy Thursday. And I just uh, found an article for us to look at, kind of made up some guidelines as far as like, um, <clears throat> I can't fix anyone. I'm not an expert in anything but my own life and hardly even that. So, uh, but we can learn together. So Therapy Thursday was kind of a platform to have discussions about mental health and share stories and just learn together how we can best support each other because that's different for everyone. So, um, Well, you're certainly an expert in your own life, but none of us have it together. Right. We all just some of us know how to act like we do a lot more than others. Mm -hmm. But uh, tell us uh what, what is something, like, what do you need? You need people to show up for this meeting. We need people to show up for the meeting, get a deeper understanding of what we're talking about. And there's, even if um, people don't have stable personal lives, there's still lots of ways that they can help. We are looking for some blog writers right now, and we have an event coming up in September. So we're looking for event planners, all sorts of uh, performers and artists and other vendors and exhibitors. Like, there's a way for anyone to help that's interested, so... And uh, the stable life, that really kind of translates into you've got to make sure you don't make a promise to somebody and Absolutely. not be able to keep that promise because that is that's the deal killer in it's so many ways. Yeah. Right. Um, what 
so you're working on your 501c3. It's all filed. The yep. IRS might be backlogged or something. Right. But that should be coming soon. It should be. Yes. And then obviously that'll help you with grants, but mm -hmm. you're going to set up donations too? Or yep. People... We can accept donations right now. So oh, you can? Yes. Yes. Okay. We have donor box or All right. Things, so. so we can share that as well. So okay. if people want to make some donations now and start putting some, I guess, treasures in the coffer, yes. that would mm -hmm. be great. Uh, your vision is huge. It is. <laughs> How much is this going to cost? A million dollars, I think. Is it? Yeah, we need properties. Yeah. Properties aren't cheap. Like I do, like the number that keeps popping into my head is like 40 properties. If we had 40 properties, we could really make a dent in this problem and our community. If we had 40 separate households that we were wrapping our arms around and making sure that they kept their housing and uh providing them with connection and like not just saying it's here if you want to go sign up but like what do you guys we're gonna uh it's gonna be written into their lease like uh monthly we'll call it an inspection so that it makes sense to be part of a lease but more than that it's going to be just an opportunity to connect and uh, build relationships and see where they're at and i do my best to not be judgmental so like if i'm part of them like that's that's the role that I want to play is like meeting with people and building a relationship to find out like what are you into if you're into art well we know some artists that can help you with that or maybe not even help but just to have the relationships so right. uh, what are we not talking about that we should get in here before we I think start? that um just the concept that there's poverty of resources. So there's poverty of uh, money and food and housing. But a lot of the times, something that I've experienced personally is there's a poverty of relationships too. So um, I wouldn't say all homeless people necessarily have that situation because sometimes it is just like, well, I something crazy happened and I don't have my job and that's what happened. But a, a lot of, like, okay, I'll speak for myself. I sought for the year before I came homeless for positive support in people in my life. I joined support groups. I went to church, but the level of support that I actually needed, it just wasn't available. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I talked to like a, what is he? He's a deacon at the one church that I was attending at the time. And they were happy to give me, like, they gave me thousands of dollars. But when it came to, I wrote out, like, a four-page, um, 12-font, single-space <laughs> description of the sort of inter intervention that I was going to need if my life didn't spontaneously combust. He was like, well, Erica, no one's going to hold your hand. And, like, my jaw just dropped on the floor. I could almost cry right now because hand-holding was actually what I needed the most. At that point, I did have the money to um fix my own life i just didn't have like the executive function to figure out what i should do with it every day yeah so and uh uh valerie here said it's going to take the whole village and yes. many hands to hold makes for light work right it does, yes. so having as many connections as possible mm -hmm. increases your probability of success right absolutely do you you know i i often hear people don't give them a dollar you know they're just gonna spend it on drugs, alcohol, right. or whatever, right? What's your response to that? My response to that is um, whatever somebody else wants to do in good conscience is up to them. But I personally, if I have a dollar and somebody's asking them for a dollar, even if I, even if they're holding a drink in their hand, I'm going to give them a dollar. Right. Because sometimes 
this might be a hard truth for a lot of people, but that next drink or next hit of whatever they're going to do is like the most hope they have for the day. So who am I like as a, uh, I believe in the Bible, it's not my responsibility, what they do with it. My responsibility is to be generous and kind. So if somebody asks me and I got five or $10, like they're getting it. So the, uh, I used to, uh, go to Dubai a lot and Mm -hmm. the taxi drivers were not well off at all. They were actually pretty poor, uh, or in poverty. Poor is probably the poor word. Uh, (laughs) and it's something that stuck with me. One guy said he started smoking in the cab and they're like, I'm like, I can smoke in here too. And he's like, yeah, this is, you know, this is the only thing that I really have looked to look forward to in the day. And it struck me about dignity and about just having that one little bitty thing. And it's not us, it's not up to us to judge or to preach at them about what they should be doing. And I think you've always done a great job of that. And I think you are a great leader for this organization. Uh, what, what, let's keep it, well, we can make it big, but what advice, if you're talking to 100,000 people in Lansing right now, which we're not, um, <laughs> what advice would you give to somebody of an action they could do today or this week that wouldn't really take that much effort at all? Um, I think the actions that if you have resources, well, let me just back it up a little bit. Be kind. There's nothing wrong with being kind. It's easy. It doesn't always feel easy or feel good. I know that for myself, but we can make that happen in every moment. Like you never know what someone's going through. So just number one, be kind. And I think if it's, it's one, that's it. And I think that that could start. If we just all try a little harder to be kind, who knows what could happen? When you pull up at the corner, and this isn't all homeless people aren't at the corners, but when you pull up at the corner, don't hide behind your phone. At least give them a smile and look at them and make some eye contact. And if you got a quarter, give it to them. If you don't have anything, what I do often, I'll give cigarettes Mm -hmm. because I won't have any money on me. Mm -hmm. And that might not be the best, but it is something so be kind everybody Mm -hmm. smiles work and love wins absolutely all right yes anything else you'd like to take us out with um i think that that's sufficient for today thank you for the opportunity to share well thank you for coming on the show thank you for helping to make our community stronger we will end homelessness and you will be right in the middle of making that happen we love you erica Thank you so very much. Mm -hmm. Love you all out there. Be kind to each other. And we will see you tomorrow on every damn day or dang day.